Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Thanks, man. Yeah, Josh has got an amazing knack for turning up at lunchtime. Uh, it's a true, true story. And I've got in my pantry, you know in your pantry, you know this, if you know your parents, you've got things that the kids are allowed to eat, and then you've got the jar of things that's just for dad. You know, the, the really special things like the cashew nuts, and I'll have like the special jar of food, and he'll come in, and he'll just open the lid, sit down, and he'll just like eat the entire thing that I was going to eat for two or three weeks, he'll just sit down, and he's like, are we eating it all? We're eating it all day, that's what we're doing. Um, but no, it's really nice to be to be speaking here this morning, incredibly proud actually of what Josh and Liz and their family have stepped into. Um, I've been watching uh, Activate and you know Westside before then for quite a few years. Really good friends with the Robs, and uh, it's cool to be speaking here with you this morning. And I could share a few funny stories about Josh and all those things, but uh, an- another time because actually during worship I had a picture of what I felt God was building in the atmosphere for Activate Church. And I had a memory just pop into my head of the very first time I scored a try in rugby. Now, I'd played soccer my whole life, and at 15 I changed and I thought I'd give rugby a go. And I remember this time that I was about five metres from the try line, and the ball just popped into my hands, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm five metres from the line. The only problem was there were two or three guys right in front of me, so I just ran and dropped my shoulder, and I hit a brick wall of three opposition players. And there was like this moment where nothing happened, and then all of a sudden, the forward pack of my team rallied behind me, and I felt this big shift in momentum, and all of a sudden, I got pushed through the opposition, and I got carried and pushed over the line. Basically, they, I, you know, I was back. So basically, they just picked me up and carried me over and popped me on the ground. Well done, son. You scored a try. <laughs> you know, soccer players, right? <laughs> but this is what I felt God was saying. There's phenomenal potential wrapped up in this church. You've seen levels and elements of it expressed, and that represents the rugby ball. And in life, you you get these promises of God and you come across and you hit the opposition. And what I saw taking place is a church, as Activate steps into this fast, I saw um, that level of hunger and obedience as a catalyst that draws in the partnership of heaven, as the reinforcement of heaven to come in behind you, to pick you up to push you through the opposition and put you down over the trial line that you would receive the reward that God had purposed you for and see the promises expressed. And I just wrote down a few things during worship. I felt like that God is going to engage you in a new momentum shift. And specifically, He's going to begin to teach you and instruct you in new disciplines. And in this season, it's kind of like a cliche because you know, you're fasting, but there's a supernatural hunger that's actually going to be imparted to you. Like there's, there's a thing of you, you taste and you see that the Lord is good. And, and that, that builds a, you know, the Bible says that deep cries out to deep. But there's a sense also of God, He instills a hunger 
in us for more of him. There's an essence of us craving him that we can only crave if he kind of puts the craving in us. And, and as you step into this period of fasting, it's going to unlock that. And I saw a desperation to actually see the sick healed, to walk in faith and action that the word of God wouldn't be theory, but it would be practical and it would be practiced. I wrote down that a disciple is a disciplined one and there's an anointing, I believe, that God is wanting to place on the church and it's not like just a corporate expression that you go, oh man, our services are anointing, but it is a corporate blessing that can be received by individuals that you can actually receive it from God and then see it outwork in your everyday life. And then lastly in this, I saw there's a faithfulness to prosper a deeper understanding of the faithfulness of God, the God most high. That during this season, that you, you're gonna to begin to understand in another way the faithfulness of who God is. And because of the faithfulness that you begin to recognize in Him, that revelation is gonna create a catalyst for change in your life because it's going to empower you to greater levels of trust, which then gives you permission for higher levels of risk because of the faithfulness of God. And just like that picture where, you know, I, I had that rugby ball, but then the team came around and they pushed me across the line. It's that sense of, you know, when they pack down for the scrum, the referee goes, hold, pause, engage. I just want to encourage you to really engage in this season because I just, I really felt in worship, there's some great things that God is going to deposit over the church as a whole and then into individuals in this season as, as you set aside time for fasting, uh, which is going to be cool. So what I want to do this morning, hi, my name's Jared, yes, uh, Josh's younger brother, which when you're younger is, an, like it's a negative to be the younger brother, but when you're old, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to be the younger brother, that's right, I am, I am, the, I am the, the newer model. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's funny because, you know, I've been a pastor for 10 years and and, and Josh and I spent a lot of time in similar churches and in the same church as well. And, and people would go up to him and go, oh, oh, you're Jared's brother. Oh, that's who you are. And that's been like really nice for my ego <laughs> until I come here and everyone goes, who are you? And I go, I'm Jared. And they go, Jared, Jared. Oh, that's right. You're Josh's little brother, eh? Yeah. Someone even, <coughs> Amanda, uh, nicknamed me um, Mini Josh for a little bit. <laughs> which I thought was really quite sweet, actually. Uh, anyway, I want to share with you a little bit about fasting, because fasting is pretty cool. Um, and if you do it for long enough, your tongue will actually turn white as all the toxins leach out of your body, which is crazy. It's science. It's amazing. I want to share a story from my life about fasting, okay? And then we'll get Josh back up, the big brother, and uh, we'll have communion with the ultimate big brother. It's a whole family affair. It's good times. Okay, so this one time I was complaining, okay, it's, you know, it's, it happens a lot in life. I was at a 21st, this is a, a couple of years ago, with a friend who was much, much younger than me. I was at their 21st, and Rowanna and I were talking with an older couple. They were kind of a little bit like spiritual parents. They would just speak into our life from time to time. And I was complaining to them at the time that I didn't have as much money as I wanted. Shock horror. There were things I wanted to buy and I could afford them not, okay? So I was having this conversation about, you know, well, we're doing this much work and, you know, there's just, 
you know, there's not quite enough money to make ends meet and the car broke down and we just got that repaired and then, then the, you know, the washing machine broke down and, you know, the cycle and you've got three little kids and everybody's breaking everything and, you know, whatever. And so they go, oh, we'll just pray for you. We'll pray that God's going to give you a strategy. I'm like, just give me money, guys. You're like my spiritual parents. Write me a check. They want to pray for you. So they pray for us that God's going to give us a strategy. I go home that night and I had a dream. And one of the main ways that God speaks to me is through dreams because I'm a little bit too, whoa, um, for Him to talk to me in everyday life. And, uh, and I have this dream. And in this dream, I'm there's this generic old lady, okay? Not someone I know, you know, imagination just kind of conjured her up. And I'm talking to a generic old lady. We'll call her Jenny. Um, and I'm talking to Jenny, and Jenny says, hey, how's your life going? And I say, well, you know, not bad, not great, not terrible. And she goes, oh, that's interesting. How's your fasting going? And I went, ha, what fasting? And I woke up from the dream and I thought, oh, that was a demonic dream, you know. What was that, creepy genie? Um, and then that morning I got up in, you know, real life and I went to see my friend because he was a builder. He'd been on ACC for a few weeks because he'd thrown his back out and he was in a lot of pain. And so I thought I should be a good friend. I'll go around and pray for him. And, you know, maybe Jesus might do something. Um, and I, I knocked on his door expecting to find a very miserable friend on the other side. And I kid you not, no exaggeration, he opened the door and I noticed two things. One, he had lost a lot of weight because he was a big gym, you know, big gym goer and he had just shrunk to nothing and he looked the happiest I'd ever seen him. And he opened the door and I go, hey man, how are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm amazing. Bearing in mind, he's on ACC because he's in a lot of physical pain. He goes, I'm amazing. I've discovered fasting. Fasting's incredible. Have you ever heard of a guy called Lou Ingalls? This old dude, he just keeps preaching on fasting. I'm listening to him all the time and I'm fasting all the time. Fasting's incredible. Do you fast? Fasting's changed my life. I haven't even got into the house. And I'm just like, okay, God, I'm paying attention. So we go in and he spends the next hour like ramping me up about how good fasting is and you know all the spiritual significance of what takes place and the theology of it. And if you know if you didn't hear Josh last week, listen to the podcast because I'm not actually quoting much of the Bible today because he read the entire Bible last week. Um, so just go back and listen to that. You'll be very learned. You know, side note, very quickly. We have a little bit of rivalry, my brother and I. It's a lot healthier now than when we were younger, but, you know, brothers always do. He's very smart. Have you noticed? He's quite an intelligent person. I know he's smart because my wife noticed, okay? So we're at home one day, and my wife, Rowena, this is her here, okay? It's not just some random lady I bring with me. We're married. It's nice. Um, We're sitting in bed, and she says to me, Honey, I like how smart you are. Like, you're, you're really smart. You actually, Jared, I really like it about you. You're one of the smartest people I've ever met. I mean, like, you know, obviously you're not as smart as your brother, like, obvious. <laughs> but you're one of the smartest I know. Like, you're almost as smart as Josh. And I was just like, go marry him then. But she doesn't cook and he doesn't cook, so it wouldn't work. So she had to be married to me. Uh, Okay, so I have this conversation, reeling it in. Okay, we're preaching um, in, in a time frame. Okay, so 
I meet this friend and she's like, you know, fasting, 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 blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, all right, I'll fast. I'm going to fast for a day and a half. Because it's like, you know, I eat like six meals a day. So there was going to be big effort. And after a day, I'm sitting in my spa pool because, you know, I'm going to take life too serious now. And I'm talking to Jesus and I say, Jesus, and I know the Bible, you know, he was born Hebrew and all those things. It was probably wrong. He was Dutch. I'm sure of it because he's savage. Um, and I'm, I'm just sitting in my spa like this, having this nice time. And I go, Jesus, I want to talk to you about the finance problem that I have. Because, you know, we, mean, we need some more money. And then really clearly he goes, well, that's interesting. It's definitely not your biggest problem you've got. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And he goes, you know, rhetorical question that God does. Do you want to know what your biggest issue in life actually is? You know, kind of like that. And I was like, wow, tell me. He goes, well, the biggest issue that you've got is you've lost the cry of my heart. And I just kind of, it just shocked me. You know, because I just love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I love Father God. I love trying to, to have my life centered in, in who He is and pivoting with, with every move that He makes. Like my goal in life is to be like Jesus, to be able to multiply food and eat it whenever I want and also only do what I see the Father doing. You know, like I just want to be like Jesus. And He's like, you've lost the cry of my heart. And it, it totally rocked me. This is what I want to say. When you step into the fast, it's very interesting what you think you're fasting for versus actually what you end up fasting for by the end of things. Uh, so I used to get concerned about my motives sometimes of spending time with Jesus of, you know, what was my actual agenda? And after I realized, you know, I don't really care what my agenda is. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more I become like him. Whether I had good motives, selfish motives, whatever motives, spending time with Jesus will make me more like Jesus. He doesn't care about my motives. He cares about, am I positioning myself around him? So I finished a day and a half fast, and that wasn't overly encouraging. So a couple of days went by, and I ate a whole lot more chicken to restock. And then I did a three-day fast. So I did a three-day fast, and that was okay. Nothing that much happened, and that was good. And then I ate for another five days, and then I did a five-day fast. Because now I'm going like, you know, starting to, to really get into this thing of, of experiencing God more and the things and the distractions of the world getting quieter and quieter. Because we, see, we fast not to try and convince God of something, because He's got great plans for your life. He's got great plans for your community. He's got great promises. So we fast not to try and convince God to do something great, but to try and remove ourselves from the distraction of the world so that we can actually agree with what He's wanting to do. It's never about getting God to agree with us. It's about us dying to ourselves so that we can agree with Him. And fasting tells our old self that was crucified in Christ Jesus and no longer lives. Fasting keeps telling that old self, our old nature, hey, you're dead. You don't get an opinion. You don't have a say. Insecurity, you're dead. Fear, you're dead. Shame, you're dead. Doubt, you're dead. You don't get an opinion. And fasting shifts us from this place of being surrounded by all the turmoil of our thoughts and the atmosphere around us and all the confusion and the chaos to a moment of, of serenity and surrender. We can be still and know that God has got to go, God, I will agree with you. I will hear what you say. I will give my amen. And that is how I co-labor with you. So I had this five-day fast and then that was kind of good. And then God gave me an idea for a much bigger fast. And I had this very clear picture of Jesus on a, on a battlefield dressed as a G.I. Joe 
with the dog tags hanging down, looking at me with this crazy wild look in his eye. And I looked down and I was dressed as a G.I. Joe and it was awesome. And I had this massive Gatling gun. And then he looked at me and just yelled, light it up. And then the Gatling gun started turning and all this hot lead started flying out. I knew that God was calling me into a spiritual battle and that fasting was going to be the key for breakthrough. And this is what I want to encourage you with. As you step into your fast, the most helpful thing that I did was I sat down with Holy Spirit and my brain, because I had some things I wanted to, and I said, all right, guys, what are we believing for in this fast? Because I ended up fasting for about 15 days, water only, and I lost about nine kilos. Josh gets angry when he fasts. Ryan will say, I just become totally useless. To the point that I would get up, fall over, and hit my head on the door. Like I couldn't even walk properly anymore. Totally useless. And I would sit there at work daydreaming about cheeseburgers. Oh my gosh, I want a cheeseburger so bad. So, so bad, Holy Spirit, just one cheeseburger. I dream about cornflakes at night, just one bowl of cornflakes, Jesus. I haven't eaten anything for 12 days, Jesus, just one bowl of cornflakes. <clears throat> and I would sit there and I would think about cheeseburgers and I'd go, I know what a cheeseburger tastes like. I know what it will feel like to eat and I know how very little benefit it will give to my life moments after that cheeseburger is consumed. And then I looked, and I think I had 20 things written down on my list that that Holy Spirit and I had come up with together. And I was like, but I have no idea how my life would shift if God would bring breakthrough into one of these areas. If, if, If Holy Spirit would pick me up and carry me across that try line and do what only He can do, if I can partner with Him in obedience, what would happen if even one of these things in my list of 20 would change? And I just hate not knowing things. And so I want to tell you that that period of fasting, it it, it shifted something in me that now about three years later, I'm now starting to live out. I told you the starter, because God is good. I started the period of fasting because I wanted God to talk to me about finances. During that 15-day fast, he gave me this very clear picture of Israel moving through the desert out of Egypt. You know, they were there for 40 years, and God blessed them. Their their clothes wouldn't wear out, their shoes wouldn't wear out, and God would give them manna from heaven every day. But if they tried to save the manna, it would turn into maggots the next day. They couldn't keep any of it. God said, Jared, this is your problem. You know me as God the provider. I take care of your needs. You always have just enough to get by, but nothing for legacy. There is nothing about your life that is storing up legacy for the future generations. You have enough wealth to get by. Well, I bless you. I bring you a breakthrough. You can get the car repaired, and then you know, then you end back in the same spot. Your dishwasher is broken. We take care of that, and then it's this. You're just stuck knowing my provision. But see, then Israel pivoted and they went to war. And they went into the promised land and they got vineyards they didn't plant and houses they didn't build. He said, if you would take your eyes off yourself and what you think you need and you would go to war for my kingdom and you would just 
seek first my kingdom and have it within you that no matter the cost, you would see sick people get healed and you, you would see lost people get saved and you would see the oppressed get set free. If you would position yourself to go to war with me and just seek first my kingdom and take territory, then you'll know me as a God of promise. And I'll shift from being just provision to the God of promise and I'll show you how legacy works. And it wasn't a huge shift in my thinking. It was like a five degree pivot. But now about three years later, that, fight, that revelation that brought a small adjustment in the way that I live, the way I conduct in my heart, now has brought a huge change in the way that I live my life. Not because I was able to get God to agree with me, but because I was able to change the way that I was thinking by going through a season of fasting, getting a fresh revelation from God and then agreeing with what He was saying over my life. And so can I just encourage you, and Josh is gonna come up in about 30 seconds, we're gonna take communion and, and just surrender this season to God. Make a list. Go home today and sit down with Holy Spirit. Sit down um, with your partner. Sit down as a family. Go, what is God declaring for our church? God, what are you declaring for our family? What are you declaring for me? God, what are you declaring for my community? These are the things that each morning, each lunchtime, each dinner time, I'll put before me and go, God, I agree. You are the one that will do these things. And I fast so that my spirit can be in full agreement with you, not distracted by my insecurity, not distracted by my fear, not distracted by my need to perform. God, I just want to be solely focused after you. And every time you want that cheeseburger, you go, man, I just want to quit. Go, man, what would happen if God would pick me up with one of those things and take me over the try line with him? Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me share with you guys. You guys are awesome. I'm going to hand back to my older brother. Good job. That was a little too good. Don't know how I feel about that. Hey, we're going to take communion uh, in just a moment. There's a couple of things that Jared uh, highlighted which stood out to me. Number one was the word season. And so I just want to clarify that even though we're doing a seven-day fast, we're starting with communion this morning and we're finishing with communion next Sunday. That is not the end. Uh, This is a seven-day fast that we are using to launch ourselves into a new season as a church. Uh, The next thing that God has for us. So don't think that just because we get to next Sunday that then things go back to the way they were. This is a new season. I have no idea what God has in store for us in this new season, but I know that it is new. (laughs) Awesome. Everyone's like, we want Jared to be our pastor now. That guy can't even talk properly. So... I just want to read out of Matthew chapter 4. You know, we are taking communion. Uh, You know, Jesus said you take communion in remembrance of me, but we're doing it a little bit differently this morning. We're doing it to launch our our church fast. Uh, And again, however you have decided to, to push into God this week is between you and God. But like I said last Sunday, it has to be a sacrifice. It has to mean something to you. Don't make the mistakes that I've made in the past with fasting, trying to shortcut it, trying to make things easier. Uh, you know, fasting food, but then living the rest of my week exactly the same. 
So we are fasting food. My wife and I are fasting food. My wife's doing a different length to what I'm doing. Uh, but we're also going to be cutting, you know, TV out for a week and just really, really pushing into God. We're going to be down here on weeknights. I will be. There might be the odd where my wife comes down and I'm at home babysitting with the kids. But a week is not long. It's not long to just say, hey, God, I'm going to give you everything for this week and, and see what you're going to do in my life. Matthew chapter 4, though, says this uh, in the Passion Translation. It says, afterwards, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. There are times when you fast where it does feel that you are in a lonely wilderness, especially if everybody around you is not fasting. If you're the only one fasting in your family and everyone else is eating, uh, that can feel lonely. That's happened to me a few times. I have to go hide in my bedroom while everyone else is eating dinner. It feels lonely. It says, after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weak and famished, and the tempter came to entice him to provide food by doing a miracle. And he said to Jesus, how can you possibly be the Son of God and go hungry? Just order these stones to be turned into loaves of bread. And Jesus answered, the Scriptures say, here it is, bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word which comes out of the mouth of God. And so this week, we're going to just pivot our attention from food being bread that we eat to food being the word that comes out of the mouth of God. So we're going to hand around communion. And I'll just ask you to hold on to it so that we can all take it together uh, and I'll pray. If you're a guest with us this morning, you are so welcome to join in with our communion. You don't have to if you don't want to. But just as they come around, grab a piece of bread uh, and a little bit of the cordial, which represents the blood of Jesus. That's a weird sentence to say. If you weren't here last Sunday and, and you missed... Uh, the message, it is available on the podcast, and I do really encourage you to go and have a listen to it because I talk about why we fast, about what fasting is, and what the Bible uh, says about fasting. And it turns out a lot, the Bible has a lot to say uh, about fasting. But there will be times during your fast where, like Jared said, even, even terrible food like a bowl of cornflakes just makes you go crazy. We were talking to our eldest daughter, Jess. I told you last Sunday that she did a full day fast, right? She fasted all day Sunday. And so we were talking to her about it last night. And she said, well, because I said, you did so well, honey. You got up on Sunday morning. You fasted all the way through until you got up on Monday morning and had breakfast. And she went, well, it's not quite true. I said, what happened? She said, dad, I was so hungry. I got up at one in the morning and had a bowl of wheat bix. <laughs> She was like, but it's after midnight, right? So it still counts. I was like, it still counts, man. You did a whole day. Good on you. Cute. That's the thing, though, right? Weet pretty bland, but when you haven't eaten, they, they taste amazing. How are we going? We're getting around? A few more up here, Dan.
So a couple of things that will help with the fast. Uh, probably one of the most important things is do try and get down here on a weeknight. Seven o'clock, there's something happening every, every night. You know, we're doing this together. We're doing it as a family. Thanks, Dan. I'll grab one of those too. Thank you. There's power in unity. One of the techniques that the enemy uses to get into our world is to try and convince us that we're doing whatever we're doing by ourselves, that we're going through whatever we're going through by ourselves. Have you ever seen a, a nature documentary where a lion's chasing a herd of wildebeest, and then you see one wildebeest kind of peel off on their own? You think, oh, oh that, that one's in trouble, right? The lion makes a beeline for that, that single wildebeest. And the enemy works in the same way. He tries to split us off from the flock from our family, tries to get us on our own, says things like, you are the only one that feels like this. You're the only one that's going through this. You are all by yourself. No one else understands. Soon as you hear that voice pop into your head, no one else understands what I'm going through. Oh, that's a warning sign. And so during this fast, I encourage you to come down on a weeknight, see your family, be a part of what we're doing. Refresh yourself. We're going to have worship on each night. You can just come down and lie at the front. Let God speak to you. All right. Did you guys get any? All right, sweet. You know what? You guys stop playing. We're going to do this all together. It's all right. We've got like a little wee iPad, eh? That can just play like a little wee. Oh, angelic. Oh. Have you guys all got some bread and some drink? All right. So I'll pray. And then you just take it in your, own, in your own time. And then whatever you have committed to God, whatever that looks like this week, good for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross. We thank you that you brought him back to life. You raised him from the dead, Lord. We thank you that you didn't only pay the price for our sin, Lord, but you gave us all authority in heaven and earth. Lord, we thank you that you have such a powerful plan for the life of every single person in this place. Such a powerful plan for the life of our church, Father, and we want to pursue it. Lord, as a church, we want to pursue the plans that you have for Activate Christ Church. And as individuals, as men and women, we want to pursue the plan that you have for our life. Lord, I know every single person here wants to stand in front of you on that day and hear you say, well done. Lord, all of us want to live for you. All of us want what you want for our life. Sometimes we don't know what it is and sometimes stuff gets in the way. But all of us want your best for our life, God. And so, Father, as a church now, we commit just these next seven days. We commit to seeking you. Perhaps like we've never sought you before, Father. We commit to hunting you down, Lord. We commit to going after your presence. Lord, at a practical level, we commit to just giving you the time and our energy in a way that we never have before. Lord, we commit to making a sacrifice. 
So Father, right now we take communion, we take the bread, we take the drink, and we mark the start of the seven-day period. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Lord, I pray that we would see doors opened. Lord, that we would see finances released, that we would see healings break out, that we would see relationships restored, that we would see mindsets shifted. Lord, I believe that we will see the trajectory of people's lives changed forever this week. Lord, bless us all in Jesus' name.